With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, hanging out by my lonesome, and I am celebrating the Warriors win over the Dallas Mavericks. They just whooped their asses by like 31 points or something, and, uh, this is the Kelly Oubre Jr. game, the Oubre game. He went for a career-high 40. He was 14 of 21 from the field, 7 of 10 from three-point land, and he even had eight rebounds. And he had two assists. I mean, for him, that's pretty good. Hey, that's great to see. I mean, maybe he just really needed to get away from Chase Center. Maybe the idea that Bob Myers and Joe Lacob and the rest of the executive crowd that sits on the sideline opposite the players' benches, maybe those guys just freaked him out and like he was always feeling their eyeballs searing whenever he clanked the three-pointer. I don't know, maybe. But this is awesome. Now we know what Kelly Oubre Jr. can do. I mean... I guess we kind of knew, but the question is, how can he continue to do this? Where will that consistency be? He was great in the last Timberwolves game, but then he stunk in Phoenix, right? So like, can he string together? You know, he doesn't have to score 40. I mean, that would be nice, but can he string together a few 18 point efficient games? You know, I mean, that's what we want to see. And at that point, hey, maybe uh, the trade talk for Lonzo Ball or whomever else goes away Or maybe the Warriors realize they don't need Bradley Beal and they squash any talk of that nonsense. Or maybe Kelly Oubre plays so well that the Warriors can actually trade him for a better asset. Either way, he helped them win and all good. Good for everyone. Good to see. Let's not overreact to one game, but at least that was a positive. They need to pick up as many wins as they can while they have no big men. Andrew Wiggins, he started off pretty cold, but I loved seeing some emotion from him. He was pissed. He got two really early foul calls and he like stared at the ref. I was like, all right, you know, cool. Probably prevented him from getting into a rhythm, hence his poor shooting from the field, but he was active as always on the defense event. And that's what we're always talking about, right? Like people are always saying, I mean, Minnesota fans mostly that you'll see him drop off this consistency and whatnot and this effort. But your shot may not fall, but you can always, always, always put that effort in on the defensive end. And he took up the challenge guarding Luca a bunch of times. And that's awesome. That's, to me, that's consistency, even if his shot wasn't falling. I mean, he picked it up more towards the end and ended up with 18 points. So, you know, that's cool. 
And it was actually kind of nice to see the two wings like being so active and, and playing, I guess, confidently. I mean, it's probably the first game where it felt like that, playing with force, playing with attitude. And hey, you know, like when they announced the leaders in all-star voting, Andrew Wiggins was surprisingly there for the Western Conference front court. I mean, that might be because Warriors fans are so technologically in tune all the time. They're constantly retweeting uh, to vote for him. But I mean, that's got to be good. I mean, that's a great sign. He deserves to be at least in that conversation. Draymond Green showed he could still bring it when he needs to. Uh, he's put a lot of effort in there and he played with a lot of force and he seemed to try to bully Luka Doncic a little bit out there, you know, talking smack, kind of bumping into him a little bit. And I mean, hey, Draymond used to do that a ton to Kristaps uh, Przingis when he was in, in New York. So why not? I mean, it reminded me of Steven Jackson playing Dirk Nowitzki, you know, just try to intimidate and bully the guy a little bit. And Steph, Steph Curry had his usual very, very solid game. I'm totally confused. Everybody always says like MVP candidate, Luka Doncic, but why don't they say Steph is also an MVP candidate? I mean, is a two-time MVP. Luka, I understand there's a ton of hype behind him, but the Warriors record is like way better. And Dallas's record is really, really disappointing. Plus I think Luka is shooting like 30% from three-point land. That's a function of their roster. If you look at their roster, I'm actually really, really surprised there was so much hype behind this team because you look at their roster, man, and you're like, wait, this is supposed to be like a three, four, five playoff team? Who do they have? Tim Hardaway Jr.? Josh Richardson? Dorian Finney-Smith? I mean, Przingis, I mean, I know he was out for a bunch and he's working his way back, but are they really depending on those two guys to, you know, take them deep into the playoffs? I could be wrong. And once Przingis gets his feet under him and everything starts flowing, maybe everything will start clicking. But there's a lot of weight on Luka's back. And I don't know if he can carry this Dallas team the way, say, LeBron carried those early Cavs teams, like before he went to the Heat. His sporting cast was just not very good back then. Damian Lee, he had a nice game. He had a bunch of threes. Juan Toscano-Anderson, once again, that guy is really, really showing out. He's impressing the hell out of me. I thought he was a fringe player beginning of the season. Uh, local boy makes good type thing. But the last game, he impressed me. This game, he really impressed me. I mean, he's he's an NBA player. He's out there. And he's tough. He can do a lot of things, you know? At the pace of the game, he seems like it's not too fast for him anymore. He's fun to watch. I mean, he hit two out of four three-pointers. If he can keep shooting like he's been shooting the last couple of games, hey, even when Wiseman and Looney and Pascal come back, you might be seeing more of Juan Toscano Anderson as a backup wing. He can guard bigger people than Michael Mulder. He is better than Jordan Poole. So see... This is progress. You're seeing a little bit of what this roster could be moving forward and into the future. Like Juan Toscano Anderson is a solid piece that you can keep on this team for relatively cheap. That's what you want to find when you're paying so many max contracts. The whole small ball thing. I mean, I alluded to this a little bit when I said Draymond reminded me of Steven Jackson. The game reminded me of the We Believe team, of course, because Warriors, Mavericks and everything. But the pace and the speed at which the Warriors played and the fact that they were all pretty much like 
six, 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 seven wings. That was very, very, very familiar. And it was actually kind of cool. They seem to be adjusting to Steve Kerr's offense a little bit more. You're seeing a lot more back cuts and a lot more just movement in motion. So that's a good thing. That's growth. Hopefully James Wiseman is on the sidelines paying attention, you know, and seeing how this all works. But again, don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. Just another game. Kelly Oubre, let's see it again or some version of this again. This Dallas team was coming off of a back-to-back and they literally ran out of gas halfway through the third quarter and the Warriors just kept coming at them and coming at them. So the strategy for this season is when you're getting a team on the second night of a back-to-back, you should smell blood. You should just go hardcore, go at them. I mean, we've seen it with the Warriors losing the second night of a back-to-back. They've done that a few times. So if you see a team, they play the night before, that's fresh meat. They get this Dallas team again in a couple days. Very curious to see the adjustments. Rick Carlisle and the Mavericks with a day of rest. How will they come out firing? And can the Warriors do it again? Is there a formula here? Uh, This activity and this kind of team rebounding and this just scrappy vibe to it. I mean, this is very, very much the soul of Warriors basketball that so many of us grew up with because of all the small ball eras of the past 30, 35 years. Man, has it been that long? I'll be back to talk about that. Anyway, that's another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick Epino, E-P-I-N-O, or at Oakland Warriors. Check us out at oaklandwarriors.com and be sure to share and tell your Warrior fan friends to listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time, and go Dubs. Go Dubs.